Hello, my beautiful, incredible, love-filled, powerful, powerful listeners. I'm so honored that you're joining me for another episode of the Powerful Ink Startup Stories podcast. I have something very special here today, as they all are. Um, this journey with Regina LaFrance is <laughs> going to crack your heart wide open in in ways that you have to experience to understand. The woman that you see joining me here today has come through 50, years of heavy trauma and has essentially reborn herself into her true identity, who she always was, and is now holding bravery and honor and strength for others who are suffering or have suffered similar experiences that they just can't quite heal themselves through yet. And this is what's inspired her to write a book that's launching in early 2024. It's called Shayla, and it's a um, based on true events story of what her life has been and how she overcame the the trauma experiences that happened to her when she was a young girl. Already, Regina has shown me detachment, certainty, self-leadership, and a willingness to get extremely uncomfortable in the healing process in order to see it through. Um, and so we're just going to have such an incredible conversation. And, um, you know, she's going to lead us through her message and and her dreams and vision for her impact in the world so that she can support others in receiving what she has gifted herself with sooner so that it doesn't take five decades so that, you know, everyone can have a, a, a belief in themselves that this too is possible for them. So welcome to the show, Regina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's my absolute pleasure and honor to have you. I, you know, I talk to a lot of female startup entrepreneurs, and when we get into the bigger conversations, <laughs> all those little things that we worry about day to day are, they're like a gateway to what's really going on with ourselves and in our lives and in the big picture of life. Um, and, you know, when we hear these incredible stories of, of, victory, really, victory of self, um, it gives such a broader perspective that helps us shift out of whatever smaller worries we have and remember how much power we have as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your story? Why don't you just take us through it? This is your platform today. And, you know, I, I just want to hear from you. When I was very young, um, as far as I can remember, six, between six years old and nine years old, I had the most wonderful childhood and the most wonderful life that a child could have. I remember wonderful memories from 
living with my parents, starting school, wanting to learn everything. And I've always been one to want to be outside. My father was a farmer and I always wanted to be outside with him. My sister, on the other hand, always stayed inside with my mom. So I bonded with my father at a very, very young age. So when I was around nine years old, my parents thought it would be wonderful for me to learn how to play an instrument. So I would have an activity to do. And also I could play in the choir. That was not uncommon for um, a young child to learn how to do that. And soon after I started um, going to my music lessons with a local um, village priest, he began to touch me inappropriately. And I knew that was inappropriate because you just know that your dad never touches you inappropriately. So when another person does, then you know it's wrong. And I started telling my parents that I didn't want to go, that I didn't enjoy it. And they said that I had to go, that I had to give it time. I remember my mother telling me that sometimes we have to do things that we don't like. So we learn them and we become really good at them. And learning an instrument might not be the easiest thing to do. So she said that I needed time. And this went on for a few months. He started molesting me, first touching me, then um, making me touch him, then um, forced me to perform sexual acts on him, oral sex acts. And about a year later, after all this been going on and school vacation was about to start, summer vacation, he uh, came to the house and he asked my parents if I could go to his house to help um, house chores with his elderly mom. And I pleaded with my father not to let me go, not to let me go. And my father said that I had to go help the elderly and, and it would be a good thing to do. And I knew then that something very badly was going to happen, that he was going to hurt me even more. And sure enough, he did. He um, he attacked me sexually uh, very badly. And I remembered as if it was yesterday because things like that, you just don't forget. You forget about the physical pain, but you never forget about the experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And his mother, who was an elderly lady, she, I believe she was also afraid of him because she um, rescued me and cared for me um, after the attack. Unfortunately, the attacks um, resulted in a pregnancy at a very young age. And his mother didn't want the shame and the, um, the shame, and of course, sent me home to my parents mm -hmm. and that condition. So she had a woman that she knew come to the house and uh, she performed an abortion on me on the kitchen table. And that very night, that very, I know, that very night, um, he, the priest, mm -hmm. took me to the cemetery, the local cemetery with a, a, a little box that his mother had given me. And he had me in the middle of the night um, dig up in the cemetery and abort to that hole. And then I um, cover the hole and, and um, 
I still have a scar here on my face that left me because I was crying really loud mm -hmm. and I fell on that shovel and I cut my lip and um, once the hole was covered, he brought me back to his house and his mother cared for me again. And then about maybe a week later, he took me home to my parents and um, his mother told me that he would never, ever, ever touch me again. And he never did again. She, um, I overheard her tell him that he had crossed the line mm -hmm. and he was never to touch that child ever again. Mm -hmm. And he himself told me that day that I had a really, really bad dream. Everything was a really bad dream right. and that I would never have a bad dream ever again. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he would tell my father that I was a really good girl. Which was important. But from that moment on, yeah, yes, going, going. it was very yeah. important to me to be yeah. a good girl. To but from that girl. moment on, I never was my father's little good girl ever again. From that moment on, I started to rebel. I never wanted to be with my father or playing in the farm or, or I never wanted to go to church again. I started um, not doing well in school. And I just didn't care about anything or anybody. And even though I completed high school, believe it or not, that priest was a professor at the high school. Mm -hmm. And I never did any work that would promote good grades. Mm -hmm. But he always gave me good grades. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that he knew what he had done was very, very wrong. But um, even though I completed high school, I never really applied myself. And I had, um, when I was 18, I had the opportunity to leave and move to the United States. Mm -hmm. So I moved in search of a better life. Mm -hmm. I wanted a new beginning. Yeah. And what I didn't know was that being a teenager without any love and without learning how to love that carry on through my 20s, 30s, 40s, mm -hmm. and 50s. I never knew what it was like to be loved. Yes, I had love from six to six years old to nine years old, but it wasn't enough for me to build a strong foundation in my, in my body to, to know what love is. So all through my 20s, I looked for love. And I tried to have relationships and and had many jobs and I learned the language and I always did well in terms of never got in trouble with the law, yeah. never really um, did anything with the law that could have gone a different direction. Mm -hmm. I always managed to have a good life, but it was a life of depression and sadness and just not caring, not believing, not believing in myself, not feeling worth of. Yes. And yeah. I would have moments of happiness and moments of sadness. And if anything ever in my life didn't go the way that I wanted, or if anyone ever questioned me about anything, mm -hmm. I didn't have any, any skills to handle my own. So... 
I did see. counseling. I did retreats. I took medication. I just lived a life of, of destruction, really. And yes, like experiencing so much trauma. Yes. No support or ability to express. Fear of disappointing your parents and fear of the power that this person may still have over you to cause yes. further trauma. Yes. You know, completely robbed you of your youth and of um, even your school experience where yes. you, you were just gone, just a shell, just yes. existing with all of this running around inside, like nonstop without, yes. you know, and, and it just became your new normal. So you just were yes. in this fog and this is just what you thought life was now. Yes. For, for I so call it, long. Yeah. Yes. I call it running red lights and leaving accidents behind. Right. And never yeah. looking back. Yeah. I would have times where I would get into running and I would become the fastest and the best runner in, in the group. Mm -hmm. Or I would go to the gym and I would lift weights mm -hmm. and I would do very well because I would commit myself to it. Or eating disorders mm -hmm. or um, a job. I would focus on getting a job and I would do whatever it would take to get that job. Right. So anything that I had power within, whether it was... Mm -hmm eating or working out or the job or um, anything I wanted, I would go and do, but never with a relationship. Right. Or, or applying that to self, right? So here yes. you're talking about these conditional external um, situations where you feel like you can accomplish something. Yes. But it's just further distraction and avoidance. Yes. But again, you yes, know, so lost in it that you didn't have the next level of awareness to see what you were doing. And I was always looking for something. Yeah, of course. And I would go the from next, yeah. counselor to counselor to yeah. counselor. And every time the counselor would say, okay, we need to get to the bottom of this. Why are you sad? Why mm -hmm. are you the why is it that you you're here and i would have all kinds of reasons except mm -hmm. that. yeah until one day i was doing a massage on a client and the client was tensed more than usual and i asked my client what's going on what why you seem a little uneasy today and she said well i am as a matter of fact i'd like to talk instead of having a massage I said okay we can talk and she said I am very upset that my daughter doesn't want to go to summer camp this year and I can't remember exactly how old the little girl was but she mm -hmm. was probably nine or ten around that age and I said she doesn't want to go to summer camp this year she said no she's been going every year since she was little but this year she doesn't want to go and I said did you ask her? And she said, I asked her, but she says, mommy, mommy, please don't make me go. I don't want to go. She won't give me a reason. And at that moment, 
my palms got sweaty and my whole body went into shock. And I start, started having flashbacks mm -hmm. of when I didn't want to go to music lessons. And we terminated the session. Um, I talked to her a little bit and, and I told her that she needs to talk to her daughter and try to find out the reasons. But I couldn't wait for her to leave. I was right. I exposed. Could feel right? everything. Yeah. Yes. I could feel everything that she was telling me of what happened. And that very night, I called my best friend and I asked my best friend if she could come to the house. I needed mm -hmm. to talk to her. And even then, when she came to my house, even then, I could not tell her that it was me. I told her there was a little girl, and I always loved the name Shayla, so mm -hmm. I just named her Shayla. There was a little girl, Shayla, in the island that I thought that she had died, but she didn't. She was still alive. And I discovered that day that Shayla, the little girl, mm -hmm. was still alive. I couldn't tell my best friend that was me. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, who is this little girl? Where is she? Where does she live? She said, she's in the island. She lives back there. She is back then. She's suffering a lot. And my friend couldn't really understand. Yeah. And, um, and then we talked more and more and more. And that's when I started writing oh. about the experience and some people tell me oh i don't know if i want to read your book because i don't mm -hmm. really want to know and i tell them my book does talk about the experience it's the book that tells all mm -hmm. however it's also very inspiring the whole book is not about the experience that's right the second part of the book is very inspiring it's what I've done to accomplish that emotional freedom yeah. that I so long, for so long, looked for. Or and yearned for, I, but didn't know how to find. And what's really incredible, yes. as often will happen, as a stranger essentially comes in as an angel to deliver a message. And she... Right she was part of you getting set free, you know, part of you That's shifting right. as she, she triggered the trauma and then you had to face it again and make a choice. And it's a beautiful way that you did that, you know, with a little bit of safety, but a lot of bravery in, in actually saying the words out loud would have been an entirely different experience after holding it in for so long. That's right. Yes. That's right. And I started evaluating my life through my 20s, 30s, and 40s, and even 50s. <clears throat> and I started looking at all the different behaviors and all the different situations. And all of those situations had one common denominator, and that was me. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that caused a lot of my pain throughout the years, a lot of my ups and downs. It was always me. I could never point a finger to anyone else because I was always the one that walked away, mm -hmm. um, didn't handle the situation, maybe snapped at someone, very defensive. And 
I never really went looking for trouble. But if there was a situation that I didn't like, it could be a high paying job. I was out. I was gone. I never stayed long enough to 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 work it out. Always on the run. And that was the piece. Yeah. Yes. And that was the piece that I worked on. It was very difficult to look in the mirror and say, you need to change this and this and this. Not change yourself, but change the way you handle things. So now if I have a trigger, because triggers will always be there. Yes. I'm never going to be trigger free. It could be a rainy day or it could be uh, uh, the weather, it could be the smell of something, it could be just the conversation that somebody's having. And if it if it triggers me to feel something, the triggers are always there. I'm not going to say every day, but a lot. So when a trigger arrives, I immediately know how to handle it. And that's the piece that I'd like to someday teach other victims that for me at least the triggers always are there mm -hmm. but once we recognize them and we learn what they're about we can then handle ourselves in a way that we're going to nurture us we're not going to attack or be defensive or speak to somebody in a way that it's not necessary like if someone says something to you that it's offensive, you don't have to reply in the same manner. Always this keep is, your... This is like the, the building of resilience and the self-love and the self-care, but like the the real stuff, right. not a face mask yes. or a manicure, the self-care of the heart, of the soul and of... That's right of you know who you really are or who you have to become to be who you are right so there's right. there's pre-trauma Regina and post and you wouldn't be this person if you couldn't come to that place through what happened and so lately I've been saying we absorb and dissolve the things that happen to us. And I mean, just tremendous amount of very vulnerable work to be done. So, you know, this story that you created with your best friend that night has become, it looks like and sounds like your healing journey and gave you a method yes that you could feel safe in until some point where you declared, you know, or decided to come out further with it being actually you. And that must have yes. taken time. And, uh, and, and for you me, know, yeah. Yes. It's taken some time. And for me, the way that I explain now, and I was talking to a friend about this, and it's not easy because you have to open your mind to accept. Mm -hmm. And once you accept, then you can handle it and move forward. And it's very difficult for a victim to accept mm -hmm. something that 
was done to them that if they were if they were hurt badly very very difficult to accept but until then you you may not for me at least not be able to move forward i accepted what happened i accepted that it wasn't my fault mm-hmm. and then what i did was i i wrote a spiritual letter to my father apologizing to him and letting him know why I became the defined rebellious teenager that I become. Right. Because at that point, I didn't know what to do. And I took it out on him. And they, my father, he hurt a great deal when he saw his daughter go down a path that wasn't what he intended for his daughter. But as far as the priest, I accepted because it was not my fault. That was his choices, his Mm -hmm. violent acts against me. That's up to him to find peace with or be judged about. Some people ask me, did you forgive him? I don't know. I don't really know if how to forgive him or I don't know if I have. What I have done is I have accepted and I have removed him from renting space in my heart and in my mind he does not mean anything what happened was part of my life and I don't look at it now as a I'll never get over it no I don't want to do that because I'm still going to give him power if that's right and I don't want to have him any power over me he is not a burden in my life at all Mm -hmm. now that i was able to see it and understand it i can then move forward as the person that i was when i was six years old between six and nine i have so many beautiful memories and it's it's so good that now even though i'm a 60 year old woman I live my life like that now. Mm-hmm. I can plant the small little flowers. I can feed the little birds. I can mm-hmm. speak from a, a pure place in my heart and live a humble life. And I love that. I love that so much because I learn love. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful thing. I like it a lot because now I am I'm not going to say, oh, I am perfect. It's not that. Mm -hmm. But my life is perfect because it's the life that I want. Does that make sense? It's the life. You're you're free. Yes. Free again in being you and in being in the world and in being with others and in being alone with yourself. Right. So releasing that letting go and diving into it instead of running away from it helps it like you say lose its power and bring bring that but you kind of you can't regain but you you get to have what you missed what you were what was robbed from you for so long that's right you get to recover that now that's right. And and now, you know, some of what you described is also the ego 
fighting against what happened and the soul or the spirit absorbing and accepting it and really surrendering and finding that you can still be okay. And that is, you know, something that we can all learn. And yes, it, it's uncomfortable to read this story, to hear this conversation, but it's important because it builds that resilience and builds that reminder of how personally responsible you are for yourself and what choices do you want to make and what kind of life do you want to live? Not what house, how much money, how many followers on Facebook, what is in your heart and how do you show up day by day, person by person? And now what you've done, Regina, is you, the story is no longer about you. The story is now about serving others to find right. their way, particularly children, adult children who have suffered trauma, but then parents who aren't quite listening to their kids. They want their kids to do what they want to be that obedient little child, but that child is screaming and you know, it's a reminder to sit down and say, what, what is really going on? And that we don't need to push them all the time when they're, you know, you're so little and vulnerable. And it, it, the story has the power to, you know, push us all out of what we think we're doing right and really assess if we are doing it right or not and do a deep check-in and make some adjustments. That's right. And I, like I said earlier, I don't know if forgiving is equal as letting go or accept. I, I, I'm not a trained professional to talk about what that all means for forgiveness. But I've seen cases where people are so angry that were hurt, that someone else hurt them. And they're afraid if they except they're going to let them win yes. they've already won this all these years over you mm -hmm. so if you could just think about it for a minute it's not they're going to win if you let it go if, if you accept you cannot change what happened so until you accept and move forward you're going to stay angry and you're going to suffer forever and ever so one thing i like to do and I tell this to people sometimes and, and they're, I don't know if they don't get it or they're not ready, but they think about it and they understand it. I wore the victim badge for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And when I accepted what had happened for me, for my own healing, I retired that badge. Mm -hmm. I am not wearing that badge no more. Even if it comes to mind, it's retired. I'm not going to bring it back. And I wear my triumph badge proudly. Yeah. So when we retire something, like if a soldier retires or a, a policeman or a firefighter or whoever, mm -hmm. if they retire, they're done with that position. 
So the same with this. If you could possibly just consider retiring your victim badge and display your triumph badge and take baby steps, it's not going to happen overnight because you don't go like for me. I didn't go from feeling <laughs> ugly, unattractive, unworthy, unloved, less than. You don't go from feeling and believing all those things about yourself overnight. It takes time. It takes time to start nurturing that little girl or that little boy back to health. Like for me, it meant a lot creating that video where I go back in time and I rescue my inner self from that situation. And once we both, both Shayla's ran away from the cemetery and from the priest mm -hmm. when he was chasing us and we ran away from him, that moment, it was the moment that I said, yes, you do not belong in my life anymore. I am free from you. I am not giving you another fiber of my being. And from that point on, I, I understood the process. And now I am humble and I am kind. And if I ever am in a situation where someone is rude or disrespectful, it's that trigger. Mm -hmm. I go right into self. It's okay. It's on them. It's not on you. You do not have to respond in the same way. The best way to tell somebody that you hear them is, I understand. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And that's it. You're done with that conversation. You know, there's a, a very beautiful, I really am appreciating um, the conversation around forgiveness and it's um you know you kind of like you've forgiven yourself for the choices you made thereafter you've come to peace yes. with what happened to you and you've released the resentment the the anger the hurt everything towards that person and so that is you you can tell like i mean looking at you now it's hard to to put these two versions together um so you can tell that it's there but it's it, it's worth pointing out that when we come through things you know it's a continual journey forever so in 10 years we may have a different conversation around this concept of forgiveness but it's very clear now that there is um you know a a very real letting go of what happened and that person is no longer a consideration and you're yes. now just dealing with yourself and your own trauma and you're not really afraid of them anymore right like you you've you've moved on from that part so in in whatever we're healing from to be able to you know not push oh, I have to forgive forgiveness means a certain thing and I'm not healed until that's conditional again that's ego driven again 
you are mm-hmm. leading yourself on a healing journey for yourself. And so do so with kindness and grace and patience to um, heal properly, to not rush through and, you know, um, know that it it's not ever one and done. Yes, yes, take it back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's an important I use I use I used to always feel bad. Yeah. If someone's if let's see example, if somebody asked me to go with them shopping or something mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go or I didn't feel like going or I had other things to do. I would feel bad because if a friend asked me to go out shopping with them, that means that they cared for me. And I always wanted everyone to just love me so much. Mm -hmm. And I never say no to anybody. And I will always feel bad. Or if someone even was hurt, I'd feel bad. And now it's different. I still feel very badly for anyone that gets hurt. But if someone asked me to do something, I can say today is not a good day. I'm available next week or I'm available tomorrow, but I already have something to do today instead of feeling bad. And those are the things that you learn when when you have self-love and self-respect, because I would say yes to everyone yeah. and then find myself in a situation that I wouldn't show up for some things because, and then I would feel so bad. So mm-hmm. my communication skills definitely have improved and I am more confident in, in speaking to people, people in my circle. Mm-hmm. I am much more humble. And if I take the time to spend with someone, that time is for that person. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, I'd be all over the place. I'd want to be everywhere. I'd want everyone to always love me and include me on in everything. And now it's not like that. Now I know my value and I make time for the same people, everything is, the love is abundant now. And I'm not running around trying to um, please everybody. I do one thing at a time, one person at a time, one day at a time. And it's wonderful. And that's those are the things that I never learned. And those are the things that I suffered mm-hmm. with for 50 years, not knowing where I belonged not knowing who I was, not knowing if I was happy, sad, depressed, angry, whatever. And if anybody ever was mad at me, that would hurt me so bad because I never wanted anyone to be mad at me. You wanted and now to, nobody's yeah. ever mad at me. Well, because in, in being obedient, we forego a part of ourselves to please others in trying to get that validation externally. When we validate ourselves, even if we're not perfect, which, you know, doesn't exist anyway, yes. then we can feel comfortable and we show up more authentically, like you said, and your communication is is more clear and more yes. aligned with your actual values and where you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So you treat yourself with respect then others feel that because you're respecting them as well. And, you know, you're, yes. you're managing 
what you have energy for without attaching your worth to it. You own your own worth. You know, yes. I mean, you've, you've not only retired the victim badge from the experiences, but also from all the other elements at play. So as we kind of draw to a close, you know, you're married now, you're in a, in a beautiful relationship and how different, how different were you when this started? Because it, it's a very nice way to, to even further demonstrate all the things that you've been saying of how you now, you know, your life is, is so much more grounded. My marriage before was um, always, I was always on a defense. Mm -hmm. Anything my husband said or did, it was always a, a personal attack. I would always view it as a personal attack. If, if he said, oh, you really should wash your car. Oh, I'd go and drop everything and go wash that car right there and then. Um, or if he said, um, I, I don't know, uh, we can't go on a trip right now. Oh my God, that would be the end of the world because I would think that maybe he didn't love me anymore and that's why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just crazy. Now everything is just so easy. It's almost like one night when I was doing all this work, a divine power mm -hmm. came over me and whispered in my ear, you are loved. Mm -hmm. You know how to love. You have discovered all the tools from this day forward, go be humble. Go live your life the way that you wanted to live your life. Go be that little girl at six and seven and eight years old. It's okay now. You have all the tools. And I woke up this morning, I look in the mirror and I said, you did it. Because I felt the peace. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to say the triggers don't show up because they do show up all the time. Oh, but God. now I have the toolbox that has all the tools that I need to um, not allow the triggers or to handle them. To handle them. Right. Yes. That's a very, you know, you've just articulated that so beautifully. Things are going to happen, but we can be more yes. prepared, more self-aware to lead ourselves through them. And that was a note I made at the beginning, this emergence of you through your life story. And now you have certainty that you can lead yourself each and every day because you know your worth. You actually did connect, I believe, to the supernatural portal of yes. divine love. It's yes. real. And when we open our hearts enough, it's accessible. Um, and so, you know, now you have this like a higher connection to oneness that is with you and that helps you, you know, know who you are and have that peace to make those decisions, to lead yourself, whatever happens. And the, the other piece, just as a reminder here to folks is it's the ultimate responsibility, self-love also means being more loving to those around us and means not putting us onto them. So that that client's daughter, I 
pray that that mom went back and sat down with her child and said, tell me, I want to understand if it's that meaningful to you, I I won't send you. It's okay. You know, that we, we learn these things so that others either learn them faster or don't even end up in that situation. But most of all have the toolbox to deal with whatever is going to happen. That's right. And another thing that I do, um, my book right here, Yeah. every day I write my positive manifestations. Yeah. Every day yeah. I write um, the, the things that I need mm-hmm. to remind myself. And it's mm-hmm. a ritual. Every morning mm-hmm. and every night I write, um, I am, and then whatever. Mm-hmm. I am wonderful. I am happy. I am excellence. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Because when you give your best and when you are excellence, even though it might not be as good as the next person, because you might not be very good at cooking and you might not be very good at, I don't know, whatever. But what I do, I do with excellence in my mind. And what I do, I do from a place in my heart, a place of love. In a place of humbleness. So, and it works. I am in a constant positive and love mindset. And I'm not saying love like, oh, I love myself. It's not like that. It's it's love. Just be mm-hmm. in harmony with yourself. And when you are in harmony, you can handle any situation staying in that harmony mindset. Yeah, that's, you know, it has worked for me. Love in the ego application or love in the supernatural application. And it's a significant difference. And that's where the peace comes from. Like your energy is palatable. You know, your your aura is very much proof that what you say is true for you. Yes. Yes. And now I get compliments mm. and people like to be with me. Mm-hmm. And when I make a phone call, they're not like, oh God, what does she want now? It's not like that now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, people give me compliments about my hair mm-hmm. because I let it go gray because I was coloring my hair for so many years because I wanted to fit in. I wanted mm-hmm. to belong, but I don't have to do that now. Yeah. It's so much easier for me now to to be more natural and, and just humble. And whatever comes my way, 99% of the times, 99.9% of the times, it's always humble and kind. This has just been incredible. Like a, a, an incredible conversation and you know, thank you for sharing your vulnerability with us and sharing your message and serving to a higher purpose for those who need to hear from you, who need to to understand, to feel understood, to have a relatable story and have proof of what is possible. Um, it's very courageous and very selfless you know, and the more that we can show up in that way and serve in big and small ways, the, I mean, the better the world will be, but really, that's right. 
because the world is, is each one of us, you know, in, in our little communities, it's not about big, but it's about the links in the chain connecting each doing our part. And we can teach one person at a time. Absolutely. I see a lot of women and men too, but mostly women that are always in a rage they always have some drama, something going on. There's always something. And a lot of those times, it's because they allow themselves to be in those toxic friendships or relationships. They put themselves there and then they're in, they involved. Because mm-hmm. I was there for 50 years. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy unless I was right in the middle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But now I like what I have. I'm still in the middle, but I'm in the middle of a circle of love mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. Absolutely. Yes. Beautiful. Well, folks, please come and find her, follow along and support spreading her book. And if you have a podcast and you'd like to have her as a guest, do reach out as well. I can put you in touch um, because Thank this you so is much. an important story Thank to you share. So yes. much. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Have Thank a good rest you. of your day. It was a pleasure. Thanks. You too, Mia.